0: welcome to a, an eye for the light podcast with newton and co now today we're going to do something a little bit different um we've done half a dozen podcasts now and people have asked us well who is this chris Coe, and who is this david newton so today you're going to find out about us so i'm going to kick off by turning the microphone on to david and um, putting him in the hot seat well or- maybe just a lukewarm seat, and get him to talk a little bit about his career. So hello, David.
1: Hello, Chris. Uh, and hello, everyone uh, listening. Thanks for joining us for for this podcast today. Great. So um,
0: as always, we want to get to how you got into photography. We do that with all the people we interview. So let's throw the question straight at you. What took you down the route of being a photographer. Where did you start and how did you get to your first photographic assignment?
1: I think my uh, my career took a bit of a, well, it was a bit of a diversion from where I originally thought I was going to end up. I was originally uh, wanted to be a marine biologist when I was seven. I think I saw Jaws and decided that, you know, I want to be a marine biologist. Most people saw Jaws and, and ran from the sea. I ran to the sea. I, I lived by the sea at the time as well, so that probably helped. When I was nine, I was a petulant child, uh, and some, some would say I'm a petulant adult. But anyway, I was a petulant child, and I knew which university I wanted to go to. Uh, and when I was 18, Julie, that's what I went and did. So I studied marine biology, and, and that university was Bangor in North Wales. And for anyone that knows the Snowdonia National Park or, or that part of the world, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. I've always been a little bit of a a techie geek. I've loved tech. Uh, And there was a guy in my hall who was into photography. And I thought it looked like a great thing to spend money on. Um, And uh, I I wanted to, you know, take pictures of Snowdonia, of of Bangor and North Wales generally. So, uh, yeah, I I bought a camera and, uh, and off I went. And made all the mistakes going, read every magazine going. Uh, I I think I spent my student loan on buying a camera and camera magazines. Um, I I must have kept half of them in business for for quite a while. Uh, Then when I graduated from my undergrad degree, I kind of decided I didn't like where marine biology was going at that time in that most of the research funding seemed to be into plankton and seaweed, which didn't overly interest me. Uh, if I'm completely honest. Uh, and photography had grown and and gone from being sort of a, a a hobby into a passion into something that I decided I actually wanted to, to do more significantly. Uh, I found a master's course. It was a brand new course. Uh, they were looking for six guinea pigs. Uh, it was a one-year taught master's. In fact, it's still running. It's at uh, University of Nottingham uh, and it's uh, an MSc in Biological Photography and Imaging. So... It's a fairly loose, uh, uh, loose title, I guess, uh, encompassing a lot of things as it did, um, but but basically it was you know photography filmmaking. In fact, because it was a brand new course, they just threw everything that was even vaguely related to imaging at it um, to to see what would stick. Um, it's kind of like I guess scientific communication with imagery, I guess might be uh, a, a good way of of describing it. Uh, so I did that for a year. Uh, worked ridiculously long days because, as I said, they just kept throwing stuff at us. Uh, and after that, went out into the big wide world. And I kind of decided at that time that maybe as a photographer, there were an awful lot of photographers, and and I wasn't sure I necessarily wanted to compete with them. I was ready to compete with all the photographers out there at the time. So I looked around to to see what I could do, and I started by being a picture editor. In a wildlife picture library, sadly, no longer standing on its own two feet, it was it was accumulated eventually into the Getty Empire. Um, but it was a, 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 a an agency called nhba uh, owned by Stephen Dalton, who is uh, the father of high speed wildlife photography. And uh, yeah, I worked there as a, a picture editor for a year uh, before going on to become. The technical editor at eos magazine writing was something i'd always done so it seemed like a a logical progression i got to basically write about cameras um so were you never tempted to take your photography underwater (laughs) i I did do a bit of underwater photography um actually back uh in uh, between my final well between my second and third year at university uh, I did do a bit of underwater photography. I spent 3 months doing marine research in Borneo. Um and I was diving every day and um and shooting every day. I think the challenge for me at that point was as a as a, a poor lowly student. I was kind of on that cusp of film and digital. I started with film and digital was starting to make an appearance kind of around that point. Uh, and and simply getting uh my camera underwater at the time was a cnc motor marine 2ex it was a film camera um which was fine but it was kind of like a rangefinder, which was a bit of a challenge underwater Uh, and and getting an slr or indeed a dslr underwater was just prohibitively expensive and i think after i did that uh, pretty much after i spent that time in borneo i haven't done a lot of diving since I've, i've I've dived on and off, but not sufficiently frequently. I didn't have a dive buddy that I could go diving with every weekend. Um, it was prohibitively expensive to to dive every weekend and indeed to have a proper underwater system. Uh, so yeah, that was probably what stopped me um, doing more underwater stuff um, at, at that stage. Although, funnily enough, I've got an assignment in January that requires me to do some underwater stuff. So Um, so I'll be, as a a
0: writer and editor, that kind of obviously fed your technical um, side of photography, but how did it address the creativity as a photographer? Is it something you missed and and did your career change direction again as a result of that?
1: Very much so. Um, as I said, I was, I was a techie geek. I am a techie geek. Um, I pick up a camera and it, it kind of makes sense to me. I can understand the tech in a camera and what it's trying to do. Um, and I've always said I'm very technical and, and I don't personally think I'm particularly creative. Um, and it was the creativity that I really had to work on to try and improve, uh, I guess, to improve my pictures. My, t- my pictures were always technically strong whether they were creatively strong or not, in in my opinion, um, is another matter. And and actually, by a weird turn of events, it was the technical that allowed me to work on the creativity because the technical came so naturally. I didn't have to think about camera settings and focus and 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 exposure and and all of that jazz. I could solely concentrate on being creative. Uh, and it was actually it was a change in my approach to shooting um, that I will put as being in 2007 when I was in New Zealand uh, that probably turned me from being a an OK hobbyist photographer into a reasonably competent f- professional photographer, if you will. Uh, and and it was literally that I, I changed from I changed how I used my camera. I went from being a you know, an AV shooter into shooting fully manual, where I effectively took all of the tech away, but made the decisions about exposure all on me rather than relying on the camera. And in a weird turn of events, that freed my brain up to not have to worry about it anymore. So I could then concentrate on on maybe being a bit more creative. Uh, and even how, to this day. How much of a I, learning
0: curve was that, David? To to. To to step away from from the automation. I mean, it's something that um, many of us older photographers would have learnt using film, um, but many photographers who come to photography through modern digital cameras set everything to for the camera to try and do it for them. So, what was the challenge for you there? Did you get lots wrong? Did you did it come again? Come fairly naturally?
1: I think it came fairly, fairly naturally, but I was certainly helped at that stage by digital becoming more prevalent so i was still shooting film but i'd also started shooting digital and the advantage of digital over and above any other advantage it gives is the learning curve is dramatically reduced because you don't shoot a picture and then have to wait two weeks for it to be processed or or in the case of had i been in new zealand i was away for a month uh i would have you know come back then sent the films off to get processed then waited uh you know a couple of weeks by the time i got to look at the pictures i'd have forgotten what i'd done and what had worked or not worked with digital shooting digital alongside i got to be able to see the mistakes i was making as i was making them and iteratively shoot thereby learning at a much faster rate obviously at this stage i already had quite a few years of photographic experience um so Maybe i was starting from a slightly more advanced level than someone who just picks up a camera and goes i already had some level of understanding um uh, at that stage so you know it, it maybe made the jump a little less uh, a little less daunting uh, but as i say i think digital certainly helped in the speed of learning
0: and typically you know when you when you started out with that approach of taking everything off auto what was Kind of your hit rate, were you getting more right than wrong? And how quickly did you progress to to shooting much more accurately? And
1: I think probably within the month that I was in New Zealand, I went from, you know, the probably the first week where I was shooting manually, I was getting more wrong than right. But I was, as I said, it was it was iterative learning. I could see I'd got it wrong, I could make a change. By the second week, it was becoming more natural, third week, fourth week. And, you know, from then on, it's just, you know, it's continual refinement. We never know everything. Um, even, you know, even now, that being however long ago it was, you know, 15 years ago or something.
0: Um, yeah. I was shooting every day, was it?
1: That was, I was shooting every day while I was in New Zealand.
0: Yeah, so someone only picks up a camera maybe once a week or once a month, it's going to take them. A year or two to to get to that level.
1: Absolutely, it will. You know, there's there is no shortcut to to being good at anything. There's um, you know, um, there's there's a brilliant book called The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, who came up with the concept of ten thousand hours. It takes ten thousand hours of doing something to become a master at it. Um, And you know, I think that holds true across any number of things. The more you do something, the you know the more you'll improve was it uh i always forget who it was one of the golfers and i'm gonna say it was jack nicholas um hit a shot to the green and it was a it was a great shot and someone said wow that was lucky and he said yeah it's funny the more i practice the luckier i get um which is is absolutely true and it, it follows through in everything the more you do something the more you learn uh and and the more those shots that may have been a challenge before come off for you. And to someone who isn't at that level, it, it looks like luck uh, more than judgment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a really important point, um, especially with digital photography, because there, there seems to be a perception that people can pick up a digital camera and it's auto this and auto that, and they can do everything they want to do, and they can be a photographer within you know, no time at all. Um, whereas real creative photography is about taking over control of the camera and not allowing it to control you. Do you think that's a fair comment?
1: I I think that's a very fair comment. I have, you know, cameras these days are incredibly capable. And and yes, you will get great pictures with cameras set to auto. But who really took the picture? Um, And if you have a creative idea quite often you'll find that your creative idea is different to what the camera wants to give you and if you're not in control of that you'll end up with the camera's picture rather than what you wanted to achieve Uh, and the only way to get around that is to learn how to rein your camera in and and you know put yourself in the driving seat Um, so that the pictures you get are the pictures that you want rather than the the camera's assumption of what you want
0: yeah so let's spin it around now. Um, that's 15 odd years of shooting as a professional. Where's your photography now?
1: Uh, now, uh, I I mean, I, I've always been someone that shoots everything. I, I've spent my entire career trying to avoid being pigeonholed into one area. Uh, and maybe that's why I was drawn to, I guess, travel photography as a genre and um you know partly because i love travelling but but also because as a genre travel photography is so nebulous and vague one day travel photography might mean that you are shooting landscapes the next day you might be shooting portraits or you might be shooting an event happening somewhere it can be anything and so my career has been very much you know one day it'll be landscapes the next day it'll be portraits candid street shooting um it could be uh, an event. It could be sports. Who knows? So, you know the opportunities are endless, uh, and I'm someone that I I would get very bored if I had to shoot the same thing day in day out. So, I I've kind of pushed my career into the areas of being nebulous and varied, which keeps my interest up. Uh, and now, uh, I, I I shoot everything. Uh, sometimes I shoot. Uh, I shoot commercial stuff, even though that's got nothing to do with, with anything travel related. Um, I will shoot commercial work. I'll shoot video uh, as and when. Um, and that could be um, travel video. It could be corporate video. It, it could be, you know, a boring headshot interview. All of that falls in three minutes. Fundamentally, I just, I love cameras and and capturing images on them. Um, and And my career, I guess, kind of, kind of reflects that uh, so now um you know my career and my life are very intertwined i'm i think i i realized very early on there were some photographers that i knew who were professional photographers but they were doing what they needed to do to pay the bills and photography is an art and a passion and if you're not passionate about it you're not producing great work and uh people that do photography just to pay the bills, I realized it it becomes basically just another job. You may as well be sitting at a desk, you know, in an office doing a, doing a standard nine to five because you're not passionate about it. And it was something I very much wanted to avoid falling into that trap. So I've kind of wrapped photography into my life. And as of recently, um, as those of you that have read some of the blogs um, on the Eye for the Light website, well, now I've moved myself and my family into a truck to go travelling. So I'm kind of wrapping, wrapping life and photography back together, so that we can travel and I can shoot um, continually without the time restrictions we normally have. And beyond that, uh, I still have some commercial clients. I've got uh, some travel clients um, that will, you know, pop me on a plane and fly me to where they need me to be, so that I can shoot for them. Um, uh, and yeah, i guess I guess that's where my career is at right now.
0: And shooting um multiple genres or types of photography, whether it's within the travel area or beyond that, how does that translate into a photographic style? Do you have multiple styles? Do you have um, your own style that comes through much more in your own personal work? How's that developed?
1: I think in my early days I was very worried about what my style was um, and how I was going to develop it and I think it's something that a lot of photographers go through is okay what you know what what makes my pictures mine why are they different to what anyone else might take what have I put of me into those pictures Uh, and after a while I just stopped worrying about it because I, I started to realize that actually if I looked at my pictures or if other people looked at my pictures, it was quite obvious that they were mine. Um, in terms of different genres, different subjects, I probably do have quite a malleable style, but at the same time, I I think I take quite a bit of what I learn in each different genre what I've learnt in each different genre and will apply it cross-genre. Uh, I'm a big one you know, when I teach for telling people to go out and shoot everything because if you want to shoot wildlife for example and uh, perhaps that means you want to photograph uh, cheetahs on the on the masai mara well photographing cheetahs on the masai mara doesn't happen very often so when you get to that situation you need to be prepared for it and what can you do to to be able to prepare for that well that skill is is a translatable skill it's a learnable skill that you can do with Your child on a bike or a car going down your street or a bird flying across in your garden you can learn how to pan or what different shutter speeds are going to do Um, so i don't know whether that's particularly a style thing or a technique thing but taking maybe skills like that and translating them across genres uh, is something i've been very keen to do and and i don't know whether as a photographer I'm best placed to decide whether I have a style or not, I I probably tend to not worry about it too much and just let other people decide what my style is. Um, I do know from a landscape perspective that I'm much more likely to shoot a vertical shaped image than a horizontal shaped image. In fact, in a lot of my photography, I'm probably more likely to shoot vertically than horizontally. Um, And I've never yet got to the bottom of, I've never got to the bottom of why that is. Um, I've, I've questioned it when I've been giving workshops, I've asked and the the best answer I I yet had, I I said, you know, I I shoot a lot of verticals and I don't know why someone said it's because you're tall and thin. Clearly that's how you see the world, which I thought was hilarious, but it didn't really stack up because when I was tall and fat, I should have been shooting squares and I wasn't. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe it's just Maybe it is how I see the world, and maybe that is my style. It's very much, you know, uh, I, I, I shoot a lot more verticals than, than horizontals.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Um, and when you're doing photography just for you, what do you gravitate towards? So is, is it the landscape area, or, or, or do you have something oh. else that you're a bit more conceptual that you're, you explore?
1: I uh, I said it before I basically just I love taking pictures. If it was just for me purely and simply if I was looking for something to photograph I probably am drawn more to landscapes. Probably. But you know I I, I that doesn't mean I would Turn away from any other picture opportunity. It might be that I'm out shooting a landscape, and I see something else, and I'll go, "Oh, that looks better than this." Okay, let me let me shoot that instead. Um, it's very much more about what I see when I'm out, um, and and that I think, you know, that changes by the day. Your your perception on things is driven by your mood, um, by you know how much sleep you've had, by you know what what's running through your mind at any particular time will affect how you see the world around you. And then how I see the world around me translates into the pictures that I take of it, um, I guess. Uh, so I don't know if I particularly gravitate to any one thing, but if you were really to press me, I'd probably take more landscapes than anything else.
0: Now, uh, anyone who's listened to the Eye for the Light podcast will know that one of your favourite questions for the photographers we interview is, Looking back, what (laughs) advice would you give to your younger self?
1: I wondered if that question would come up. Um, Uh, (laughs) Definitely, was honestly, uh, you know, I will get my own back, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's uh, now I'm on the receiving end of this question. I realize how unfair it is, despite the fact I was I was kind of aware that it might come up. I think if I had to look back and 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 talk to the younger me, I'd probably say. Uh, i'm you're better than you think you are, and don't worry about what other people think of your photography. Just go and do it and do it for you because you're passionate about it and and you see the world in your own unique way, and that's just as valid as how anyone else sees the world um, I think that's probably. Yeah, that's probably the advice I'd give my younger younger me, which is probably the advice I'd give any young person in any, whether it's photography or not. That's probably just that's probably my best bit of uh of of uh mentoring advice I could give anyone is just be you. Um because you do you better than anyone else can do you.
0: I, I must admit it's it's very nice to have one of those gotcha moments on you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly.
0: Oh, um, is there anything else about your approach to photography that we haven't covered? Is there anything else you, you, you want to share with us? You mentioned the fact that you've bought a truck and you're going to be yes. traveling. How, yes. how does that feed into your photography and how does it stimulate what you're going to be doing in the future?
1: Um, I've, I've, having traveled extensively, through my career i've been very lucky to to do a lot of travel uh, and see a lot of the world i think i'm on I don't know, 64 countries now um and most of the time i've seen those countries with a camera in my hand so it's more than just turning up in an airport sitting on a beach and disappearing or turning up in an airport going to a meeting room and then disappearing again i've i've actually been had chance to experience um uh, places the trouble is even if you go on assignment somewhere, you never have as long as you want. You never get to, you know, we talk about photography being all about the light and having to wait for the light. You never have enough time to wait for the light. You know, it's the one constant in photography. The light could always be better, perhaps. Um, And therefore if you photograph travel you're always competing with people that live in those locations and get to go to those locations every day of the year if they wanted to and and get them in the best light Um, whereas normally when you travel you're you're stuck with you know you're there for two weeks three weeks maybe four weeks if you're very lucky Uh, and, and it's whatever you get in in that time period so the truck is very much more about um it's a family thing for a start wife baby dog um and it's about us having a a nice tight family unit and traveling and spending time with our daughter who turned one just last week um and from a photographic perspective it's about being able to be on location and stay there indefinitely if i wanted to waiting for that light waiting for the shot being able to put myself in the places to get the shots that I want to get without restrictions on it's costing me 200 pounds a day in a hotel or, you know, I can't stay here yeah, that better long. hotels <laughs> <than> me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I let the cat out of the bag, did I? Damn it. Um, or, um, you know, or I've forget I, I somewhere else. This is very much more, okay, we'll drive. This is nice. Let's stay here for a bit. Um, so yeah. Great.
0: Well, um, anyone who's interested in Dave's, Dave's journey he's, he's taken the truck now. He's just gone through the process of rebuilding it and turning it into a home. And it's now on the road. Um, you're going to be telling some of the stories and showing some of the pictures you take on the I website. Um, but you also have your own website, which is global traces. Could you just give us the email address so that people can follow, sorry, not the email address so people can follow that.
1: Yep. So there there are a couple of websites you can see me on. My photography is on photopositive.co.uk. If you want to follow our journey, then www.globaltraces.co.uk. And both of those addresses are the same for Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, if If you want to see more, follow along get in touch, uh, in any of those things.
0: And those journeys are going to be
1: unfolding in the next month, year? They are, I'm sitting <laughs> in the truck right now. I'm sitting in the truck yeah. right now. We feel we've got, we think we've got probably a decade of travel, um, up to a decade. We, we don't have a defined endpoint. We're just going to travel until we decide we want to do something else. Um, so we we plan to homeschool probably up until Isla reaches secondary school age, because that'll be when we probably reach the limit of what we collectively know and can pass on to her usefully as education. Um, and uh, yeah, alternatively, if she says I want to go to a normal school when she's five, we'll come back when she's five. Uh, we're actually just planning our first shakedown trip. So we've moved into the truck and we're, we're, we're static and stationary while we settle in. Uh, but our first shakedown trip, we are off to uh Europe in about a week and a half's time. Uh we're going to go to France and the Netherlands maybe depending on their covid situation uh, and uh Belgium and Luxembourg. Luxembourg one because I am somewhere in Europe I've not been uh, and two because it's really cheap for diesel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I I I actually worked out yesterday that uh, at current prices, it's £171 cheaper to fill the tank in Luxembourg than it is in the UK, Wow! Uh, which makes it a good reason to go down to Luxembourg, even if we just dip Otto over the border. (laughs) Um,
0: And I know that one of the beauties of what you're doing is that you're not tied to any schedule and you're not tied to being anywhere at any particular time. But if you look forward a year, where would you ideally like to be?
1: Uh, well, if everything goes according to plan this time next year, I'll actually be just about packing my bags to fly off and go down to Antarctica, uh, to the South Pole, uh, for, uh, for two weeks. Um, but from, from a truck perspective, we, I don't know, maybe, maybe Scandinavia. I think we might like to be in Scandinavia through a chunk of next year, um, but we'll see. We'll see what goes on with with COVID and and Brexit. Obviously, we've got the challenges of being able to spend time in Europe right now until until someone can figure out what we're supposed to do with Schengen visas. Um, So we may end up saying, well, hell to it. Let's go further afield and, and maybe we'll start heading east and find our way out towards Mongolia or at least be on that kind of direction. The... The nice thing about our plan is that we don't really have a plan. Um, a a lot of people that have overland trucks, for example, will, will have a truck and a plan where they say, we're going to do this for a year or we're going to do it for two years. And that means you're always on a, a timescale. We, as I said, think we've got maybe a decade and if we've got a decade, we don't have to plan too tightly because it's not like we've got to make a particular border crossing by a particular date. We've got more flexibility of going, do you know, we were heading in this direction, but I feel like we should turn right today and and we'll see where right leads us. Um, And, and, you know, if you make a plan and it doesn't happen, you either bash your head against the wall to force it to happen or, you get frustrated that it didn't happen. Um, this way, we very much get to go with the flow uh, and see see where it takes us. If we, you know, meet some people on the road and they're going a different direction to us, maybe we'll tag along with them for a while, or they'll tag along with us, or or whatever. Or if we hear of something happening over somewhere else, we'll we'll go over there. Um, Great. Uh,
0: well, that's a, a fascinating future ahead. Thank you for telling us about your. Life in photography, um, sharing with us where you're going to go in the future. Um, we'll be interested to see the pictures you take along the way and see how they inspire you in and that, that extra time you have and that freedom and helps you with, with your photography. So, okay. thank you. It's, it's,
1: well, we'll see if it does. <laughs> I keep my fingers crossed <laughs> it, it it will. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> thank you. That's great to find out about you.
1: Pleasure. Thank you for asking me the awkward questions. Oh, uh, it'll, was it'll be your turn soon. <laughs>